Let's take our Bibles and turn in them to Psalm 112. Today, Psalm 112. Um, we're going to begin by reviewing the, the outline here. I have made a copy by request of the outline that I've been dealing with here of late uh, under the topic of fear not is the topic we've been dealing with. And of course, there's uh, so many things that uh, we could fear um, and oftentimes we do fear. And yet uh, we see throughout God's word that uh, we need to not fear if we believe and trust in the Lord. And and so especially in this day where we have uh, to social distance and wear masks and not shake hands and and uh, do all of these things to try to be safe, uh, we realize we're in the Lord's hands anyway and that he is uh, in sovereign control of all things. And, of course, we realize that uh, these things are just kind of uh, what we see that God told us would be happening in the perilous times of these last days. Brother Bruce has been going through that passage in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Um, and, of course, the conclusion of that chapter points out the solution to the perilous times of these last days. And it is, uh, what? That you were in Sunday school. What's the solution to the perilous times of the last days there in 2 Timothy 3? I didn't hear that. I, God's word. God's word that is breathed out, uh, inspired, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God might be perfect, thoroughly furnished, thoroughly. <laughs> means much the same. King James says thoroughly. Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. In other words, everything we need, no matter what the day is, uh, is found in God's word. Not a new program, not a new method of, uh, thing to, to get people to come in. No, just continue to stand in the word, to preach the word, to teach the word, to, to move forward in our lives in the word. And it is a solution to the perilous times of these last days, as Paul told Timothy, you continue in those things that you've learned. And uh, you remember who it is you learned them from. And then he talks about the, the holy scriptures that are God-breathed and, and profitable for all those things. We've been talking about fear and the command that we see over and again in scripture to, to fear not. Um, I don't have time to uh, touch on this outline. I've just given it to you. It is back there on the pulpit if you'd like to pick one of these up. If you want to slip back there and get one now, uh, you're welcome to. But um, this is what we've been dealing with. We've seen the crux of fear. There's a distinction between motivating fear, which the fear of the Lord is, and manipulating fear, which is that uh, fear that would whelm up within us and, and kind of paralyze us or cause us to take a course of action that we know is not right. Uh, so there's kind of the, the distinction. Fear itself is a God-given emotion. It is given to us for a good reason, as a defense mechanism, so that we can uh, 
be ready for action when fear comes because usually there's a cause for that fear and to be ready for it. But all too often there is a manipulating fear which causes people, even God's people, to take a wrong course of action or to just freeze when they know what they should do but they don't do it. And uh, so there's the crux. The course of it, we've looked at. The, it starts in the mind. There is a progression here. It starts in the mind, what we think, or the head. It, then what we think is what's going to be in our heart, our emotions. And then what we have in our heart or our emotions are what's going to cause action in our life. And you've seen that, um, that uh, outline that I give so often the head, the heart, and the habit uh, starts up here. This is where we can easily deal with it in the head. And, of course, we were dealing with the uh, mind and the, the course of fear with our mind, with all too often the, the manipulating fear. There are thought distortions, uh, preoccupation with the past. If I had only, and you, you fill in the blank, and we have a preoccupation with the past. We have a perversion of the present. Well, what if this happens? What if that happens? And we have a perversion of the present and a paranoia of the future. We, we shrink back because of what might happen in the future. And uh, those things are to be met with the cure for the mind. And that is thought distinctions over in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 uh, verse 4 and 5, it says that uh, our warfare as believers is mighty through the pulling down of strongholds, thankfully, because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers of wickedness. And we can uh, be victorious in that battle. But the very next verse, verse 5, talks about bringing into subjection our thought life. To bring it into subjection to that which is worthy of Christ. And so rather than being preoccupied with the past, as we think of the past, think of God's provisions for the past. That's how to conquer that. If you're saved, go back and start there. And then all the ways that he's blessed you and, and provided for you and, and uh, you know, bring it right up to the present. And then as we think, of, rather than perversions of the present, all the what ifs, start thinking about the promises of God. He's given us a promise that will undergird us no matter what we're going through. His word is filled with promises. And I'm here to tell you that if God's made a promise, he'll keep it. Because he's faithful. He'll do exactly what he said he'll do. And then instead of paranoia about the future, my friends realize that, that uh, God's presence in the future. God said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He'll be with you tomorrow just the same as he is today. And the next moment and the next year, if he gives us another year. And my friends, once the trumpet blows and we're out of here, we're going to be enjoying his presence forever. So we see that we can conquer this in our minds. We need to, instead of having thought distortions, have thought distinctions. Uh, thoughts that are worthy of our Savior. And then, of course, we looked at emotional stress. And we saw passages of scripture that talk about bad feelings. Um, we need to obey the Lord. We need to heed the Lord's advice. We need to yield to the Lord in these, in these passages that we looked at last week. Um, 
emotional stress. Rather than having emotional stress, have emotional stability. And, and the way it happens is by just doing right. Feelings are involuntary. We are never commanded to feel. We are commanded to do and not do. And if you look at these passages, which we did last week, you realize that bad feelings are a result of bad actions. And good feelings are a result of good actions. And, of course, the good and the bad and the ugly uh, are defined very clearly here in God's word. Not what I might think, but what God thinks is proper and good behavior. It will result in good feelings. So, so what we think then, what we incorporate into our heart and life is, is then ultimately what we'll do. And of course, I pointed out how that there are physical issues that are a result of, of ungodly living and how that there are physical solutions for godly living and that God, uh, if we live righteous lives and live for the Lord Jesus Christ, it tends to uh, good health and long life. And of course, we realize we're not going to outrun death because that's the curse of sin. And we're all going to die and we'll all probably die of some sort of a disease, be it COVID or heart failure or whatever it might be. And so just because... Uh, we die doesn't mean that we might be living an ungodly life, but an ungodly life will lead to an early uh, shortened life, most likely. Some people have a pretty tough stamina, but we realize, too, that there's far more to life than this life, and uh, those who live ungodly lives and uh, spend eternity in hell paying for their sins when instead they could receive Christ and, as Christ paid for their sins. But... Uh, so we see that's kind of where we point, where we left off last week. And then last week I pointed out how that to, to give this cure in a little bit simpler form, uh, in three words, uh, with regards to the mind, we have focus. With regards to the heart, we have fear. And with regards to the physical, we have faith. And I left you with that. I said, that's the outline for today. So, Psalm 112 is where I've asked you to turn. Let me just read that as we consider these three elements uh, under the title, In These Times of Uncertainty. Follow along as I read uh, Psalm 112. Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. His seed shall be mighty upon earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endureth forever. Unto the upright there ariseth light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteousness. Uh, a good man showeth favor and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, 
trusting in the Lord, his heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. He hath dispersed, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness endureth forever. His horn shall be exalted with honor. The wicked shall see it and be grieved. He shall gnash with his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, that you have given us all we need in your word. It is profitable for doctrine or teaching. It is profitable for correction, pointing out where we go wrong. It is profitable for um, instruction in righteousness to not only point out where we go wrong, but, Father, to point the right way and to encourage us along that way. And so as we open your word, Father, may we uh, realize that in our individual lives today. You know our hearts and our lives. We are open books before you. May we not shy back as we think of that, Father, but may we come and just ask you and, and allow you to have your rightful place in our life. Father, work in our midst today to your honor and glory and to our good. That's your desire. Help us, Father, to do our part, and we'll be sure to thank you for it. pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, the outline for today, first of all, our focus. As we think about our head and our mind, uh, we're talking about our focus. What are we going to focus upon? And I think that a, a clear passage that helps us to understand this dynamic would be back in the book of Numbers. So if you'd turn back there with me. Numbers chapter 13 and 14. I'm sure you uh, know what this passage is about. If you don't recognize it, you will here shortly. As we begin to look at it. In Numbers chapter 13, we have the children of Israel uh, having been led out of Egypt and, and were a while there at Mount Horeb, or Sinai, receiving the law. And now they're on the move. They're just on the, the southern edge of the promised land that God gave them. And they're ready to go up into the promised land. And verse 1 of Numbers chapter 13, it says, The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men that they may search the land of the Canaan. Of Canaan. Um, now, at first, this might look like um, it was God's idea to go search the land. But if you would turn with me over to um, Deuteronomy chapter 1, you realize that this is just how it is put there in Numbers. Deuteronomy chapter 1. And verse 21, as Moses in his farewell message kind of recounts the history of the nation, um, he said in verse 21, Deuteronomy 121, Behold, the Lord thy God hath set the land before thee. Go up and possess it, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath said unto thee, Fear not, neither be discouraged. That's what the Lord wanted. And you came near to me, Moses said, every one of you, and said, We will send men before us, and they will search out the land, and bring us word again by what way we must go up, and into what city we shall come. In other words, uh, God said, and Moses rehearsed it to them, 
uh, here we are. This is a land God has promised us. Let's go up and possess it. And they said, now, wait a minute, Moses. We, let's not be too hasty here. We better go up and see what we face and see how we need to do this. And so that's uh, the true uh, story, the rest of the story that you don't get over in Numbers chapter 13. It's, it's like, um, you know, God said to go up and, and spy it out. Well, they sent 12 spies up. You know how that goes. And um, verse 25, back in Numbers now again. I'm back in case I've uh, left you. Numbers 13 and verse 25. When they returned from searching the land after 40 days, they went and came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them of all the and all the congregation showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them and said, We came to the land whither thou sentest, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb, I guess there was a little bit of a stir here among the people because it says Caleb uh, stilled the people before Moses. Everybody's getting a little nervous and said, let us go up and possess it at once for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it, a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come from giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. And, of course, continuing on in chapter 14, and all the congregation lifted up their voice and, and cried, and the people wept that night. And the children of Israel, verse 2, murmured against Moses and against Aaron, and the whole congregation said unto them, Would God we had died in the land? Verse 3, Wherefore hath God brought us into the land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be prey? Were it not better for us to return to Egypt? And they said one to another, let us make a captain and let us return to Egypt. Skipping down to verse 8. If the Lord delight, us, delight in us, then he will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. That's, that's the words of Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into the land and give it to us, and the land which floweth with milk and honey. Verse 9, Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. But the congregation uh, bade stone them with stones, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before the children of Israel. And, of course, you know how the rest of that story goes. But the point of this is focus. Focus. What did the ten see that Joshua and Caleb did not see? 
Nothing. They all saw the same thing. But the focus of the ten was what? Just the problems. Joshua and Caleb saw the problems, and I'm sure they verified it. Yeah, that's true. But their focus was on the God that said, go up and possess it. If he's commanded us to do it, we're well able to do it. Let's go. And, of course, this unbelief and this stir caused the whole congregation, the whole people of Israel, to to wander 40 years in the wilderness. You see, focus, what we are concentrating upon. Are we looking at the things in the past that we regret that are under the blood and have this preoccupation with the past? Or, or are we looking for God's provision in the past and what he has done for us in the past and the blessings he gives us in the past? Are we looking at the obstacles that we face here today and have a perverted view with regards to those things that, how can we do, Lord? How am I going to manage? Or are we focused on his promises which tell us clearly how he will provide for us and take care of us and and protect us and, and use us and give us everything we need, all that we need for this life? What are we looking at? Do we see what might lie ahead? You know, who knows what tomorrow might bring? Uh, Are we paranoid about that or do we just realize God is with us whatever it brings? And so you see that Uh, My friends, the focus is what I'm talking about here. All too often we have thought distortions. Things that Satan would put into our mind. Destroy those things. They're not worthy of the Lord. Raise up that shield of faith and and claim the victory that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ and, and have thought distinctions, thoughts that are worthy of our Savior. And the only place you're going to come up with that is right here in God's word. As we see how God has provided and and been faithful to God's people uh, throughout the course of history. So we see that the first thing here with regards to the mind is focus. What are you going to focus on? What's your thought life going to be? What you think in your head is what you're going to desire in your heart. What you desire in your heart is what you're going to do with your life. From the head to the heart to the habit. Let's go on to the next uh, single word that summarizes all of the things that I had on the outline with regards to our emotions rather than emotional stress or that we might have emotional stability. Uh, Turn with me to Proverbs chapter Eight in Proverbs, we see it tells us quite a bit about uh, the fear of the Lord. And so that's what I'm talking about here. I'm not talking about the manipulating fear. I'm talking about motivating fear. In Proverbs 8 and 13, it says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the froward man do I hate. My friends, if you fear the Lord, and that's the fear that I'm talking about here, that will help us to not have fear. The fear that conquers fear. This motivating fear. Not the manipulating fear. 
that causes us to stop on our tracks or turn sideways when we should be stepping forward. That fear of the Lord, which is our reverence and respect and awe based on who God is. He's a sovereign God of this universe, creator and sustainer of all. This earth is, heaven is his uh, throne and this earth is his footstool. And yet it says he'll stoop to the man that is of a contrite heart. He'll stoop right out of heaven. And he'll reach down into our lives and he'll touch us and he'll give us that which we need. To stop and think about who he is, that reverence and respect for him, for what he has done for us. For what he will do, the promises he's given us, no matter what we face in our life. It's getting kind of dicey out here, but I'm here to tell you, we can stand firm in the Lord Jesus Christ for now and forever. That's the fear that I'm talking about. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 29 as we take this just a little bit further here. Proverbs 29 and verse 25, where we see the the flip side of this whole thing, kind of. The fear of man, Proverbs 29, 25, the fear of man bringeth a snare. You know, all too often we fear what man might think. And we fear what man could do. And we fear man, and it is a snare. It's a trap. But whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. You want to be safe? Put your trust in the Lord. And of course, I guess you could substitute in there. uh, Fear the Lord. Turn with me uh, to Proverbs chapter uh, 14. I guess I had it in that line. Proverbs chapter 14 as we make a comparison here. And verse 26 it says... In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. And his children shall have a place of refuge. We realize that uh, the fear of the Lord is the, is the same as trusting in the Lord. And if you trust in the Lord, you'll be safe. If you, have, if you fear the Lord, there's strong confidence. You don't need to uh, shake in your boots and wonder what's going to happen. There's strong confidence because we're... We know we're where the Lord would want us, and, and we're not darting here and there or holding back. Um, turn with me to John chapter 12, and, and notice what it says there. Verse we ran across, I believe it was in the uh, character study. John chapter 12, verse 42 and 43 where it says, Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. You see, the fear of man. Maybe these folk were believers, maybe they weren't. I don't know. But they didn't want to confess the Lord for fear of the, what people might think, for fear of what the elders might think that they would be kicked out of the synagogue. So we have a motivating fear here that we're talking about. Focus on the things of God. Fear the Lord, and you'll see what he has done. Turn with me to Psalm 112 again. 
where we started. In Psalm 112 and verse 1, Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. And here in this psalm, we see the fear of the Lord will conquer a lot of things. And it tells us clearly what it will conquer. If you fear the Lord, it says, His seed, verse 2, shall be mighty upon the earth, and the generation of the upright shall be blessed. Fear of the Lord will conquer family fear. Fear what the family's going to do. Fear of what, how it's going to be from one generation to the next. Verse 3, wealth and riches shall be in his house, and righteousness, his righteousness endureth forever. The fear of the Lord conquers financial fear. You know, sometimes we fear what our, that our finances are going to run out. How are we going to manage? Well, look at the promise of God. I will provide all your need according to my riches in glory, he says. It, fear the Lord conquers financial fear. Notice verse 4, unto the upright there ariseth light and darkness. You ever been afraid of the dark? Not the real dark that we're talking about. Sometimes as kids we're afraid of the dark. But we're talking about the darkness of, that this life can throw over us. In the trials and the tribulations, the fear of the Lord will conquer fear of those things. The fear of the dark, the fear of the unknown, fear of what might happen. Notice in, in verse 5, a good man showeth favor and lendeth. This is another uh, one of those things that talk about the, the fear of financial security. You, you, are, you have enough to, to give and, and you're generous. Uh, verse 5 and the last part of verse 5 he will guide his affairs with discretion uh, verse 6 surely he shall not be moved forever hear fear of decisions some people won't decide something because they're afraid what might happen and it conquers the fear of decisions and, and in verse 7 he shall not be afraid of evil tidings his heart is fixed Trusting the Lord, the fear of bad news, the fear of what tomorrow might bring, the fear of... And, and it's the fear of the Lord that conquers all of these things. So as we think of the emotions, fear, that one word, motivating fear. Fear of the Lord is that which will conquer fear in our life. But then lastly, and it won't take long here, faith. Uh, as we think of faith, what is faith? Turn with me over to Hebrews chapter 11, where we see a definition, a scriptural definition of what faith is. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, that great uh, faith chapter, it says there, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the substance or the tangible matter that we can see and touch. We can't see and touch the Lord, but we have evidence of, of what the Lord will do in our lives that is the substance. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence. Evidence is that which helps to form a conclusion or the grounds of belief or disbelief. It is the evidence of things not seen. 
That's what faith is. You know the definition that I like more than any, and that's over in Romans chapter 4. I think it's the working definition that is easy for us to understand in Romans chapter 4 with regards to the promise that God made to Abraham that he would have a son and know it's not Ishmael as they tried in the flesh. Uh, Sarah said, well, you better take my handmaid. I'm barren. I'm not bearing you any children. And uh, so they, they went that direction and, and Abraham thought, well, is it Ishmael, the, the son you're going to bless? And he said, no, no, no. Sarah's going to have a child. His name's going to be Isaac, and I'm going to bless uh, the entire world through his seed. And uh, him being, verse 19, being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. My friends, the negative part of what faith is not as staggering at the promises of God, The positive part of it is verse 21, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. That's what faith is. Faith is not staggering. Oh, Lord, how can I do? Look at my life. You just don't understand. No, God understands. In fact, God orchestrates things. He's in sovereign control of the things that go on in our lives. He doesn't tempt us above what we are able But he will, with the temptation, make a way of escape that we might be able to bear it, that we can go through it, not from it. We stagger not at the promises of God through unbelief, but being fully persuaded, that's what faith is. We know that, we don't know how, but we know that he will, because he's promised it. Got to look at one other passage, and that's James chapter so I can boil this down to where the rubber meets the road as we think of faith. Because we're talking about the head, the heart. Now we're talking about the habit. We're talking about the physical here. The mental, the emotional, now the physical. Faith is the answer. In, in James chapter 2 and verse 14, What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he have faith, And have not works? Can faith save him? And of course we realize that yes, faith does save us. We don't work our way to heaven. And that's not what he is saying to us here. He is saying can can a a non-working faith that you can't see? As he says in verse 17, even so faith if it hath not works is dead. Can a dead faith save you? Can a faith that you can't see save you? No. He says, verse 19, the devils believe. A lot of people say, oh, I believe in Jesus. Well, the devils believe in Jesus, and they tremble. A saving belief is a a heart belief where we realize Jesus died for me, and I have received Christ as a Savior for my sin. And my friends, when that happens, there's a change. There's a life change. Saving faith changes a life. And if you have a life that says to have faith and no works, no visible evidence of a change, then my friends, can that kind of faith save you? And there's a lot of people running around like that today. Oh, I'm a Christian. Oh, I believe in Jesus. 
and the life doesn't show it. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. You see, the fear of the Lord will make us desire to please the Lord. And when we have faith, that means we obey the Lord. The changed life we see, oh, that doesn't mean we're perfect. But we'll desire to, to have a life that is pleasing unto the Lord. And that boils down to where the rubber meets the road. Our walk will be following the Lord. And when we fail, we quickly get on our knees and confess the sin and get back on track for the Lord Jesus Christ. No fear. In these times of uncertainty, focus. Fear. Motivating fear and faith that can be seen. Father, thank you so much for your word and thank you for this time together in it today. Use it to your honor and glory in our lives. Father, we don't know just what the end result's going to be of all these things that we face here in 2020. But you do. You're in sovereign control of it all. You are with us. Father, you desire to use us to your honor and glory. I pray that you would help us uh, to just yield to you and allow you your rightful place. Help us to focus. Help us to fear you. Help us to trust you, to have faith in you, and we'll be sure to thank you for it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.